Lock Talk Radio. This is Tom from Can I Justify? You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swim. Monday night, and this is the Icon here, and we have an exciting show here on Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, always on Mondays, always starting at 9 o'clock, always going to 11 o'clock every single Monday night here on 89.1 Ken Seven. and we are here, and we are here to entertain the masses, as they say. And I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe uh, one of my co-hosts is on the line with us right now. Scotty, are you there? I am. Ready for the show. All right. And you can hear me today. Yes, I can. Loud and clear. All right. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Uh, We have the little issue that uh, we had last week fixed. And we want to thank our great engineer, Ken Bartz, for fixing that. Uh, The Bartz Engineering, also the owner of this station. For fixing that. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, our buddy, uh, the modern nightmare, Matthias, he is on temporary assignment, so he will not be joining us tonight. But I think you and I uh, can hold down the fort, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Scott? I hope so. All right. So let's kind of catch everybody up on uh, who we can expect to be on the show tonight. And it's going to be a big lineup, as always. Our first guest will be, of course, Chase Dudley. And uh, he is a independent uh, film director, and uh, he's going to talk to about some of his projects that he's done. And uh, we have also Renee uh, Jelinas. Uh, she'll be joining us. And we have Cindy Sabel. And uh, Cindy is a breast cancer survivor, and she wrote a book. And uh, the interesting thing about this book is we cannot say the title on the air because of one of the words at the end of the title. But we will kind of mask it when she's on so we can let everybody know where to find this particular book. And she's going to talk to us all about fighting breast cancer and how she won that epic battle. With that being said, let's catch up, uh, everybody, with us. We'll first start with Scott. What's up with you? How, uh, what's uh, new with you in the uh, director realm? Well, we, got a, uh, we got a new trailer for Light Cayenne that we finished, and it's been accepted by a film sales agent. And I had a screening here of the work print of the comedy Five Losers on a Line tonight, which I'm just coming from, and it went very All well. All right. So uh, how many did you have in your little theater there? And about 14, 14, 15 people. And, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Huh? You, you, uh, you're one of the – well, actually, you're the only guy I know that, had his own, that has his own movie theater. How many seats do you have in the theater? Um, but, uh, Nine stationary, then we can bring in a couple of chairs, you know, if needed from time to time. I don't normally have that many people over at one time, but this was something special. So, 
well, that's cool. And uh, that that film is uh, awesome, as we all know. And, uh, <laughs> of course, everybody knows that uh, the Black Tent is the one I'm waiting for, for obvious me reasons. Me so. Yep, me and, uh, well, well, you've been waiting for, what, five years, right? Going on five, yeah. You're right. And we're finally going to get it done. You, I, finally and everybody else involved. Yep. And yep. I, I cannot wait yep. uh, to uh, be part of it, uh, to be filming in it, well, well, to be part of it, and also when it's completed, and uh, when, when it's completed and everything is done, do you plan on uh, uh, taking it to all the different film festivals, or mm-hmm. uh, are you going to just put it out streaming right away? I don't think I've ever asked you that. For Black Tent now, we're gonna we're looking into pre-sales for that one. It's a pretty hefty budget on that. So yeah, now we're right. looking into pre-sales. Okay. Well, let me ask you this though: If someone wanted, uh, someone invited you uh, to screen the film at one of their uh, events, you'd do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right. And the main mm-hmm. goal so is that, to hopefully get. Hopefully, we can do it for the White Can as well. Well, yeah, the main the main goal is to get you down here and uh, have you become a native son of Fargo, North Dakota. But we'll make sure it's not when there's snow on the ground. And, and I want to apologize <laughs> to everybody. I want to apologize to everybody. My voice uh, sounds uh, uh, worse than it usually is. Uh, I am suffering a cold, and uh, my body does not uh, go well when it comes to extreme temperature change. We went from 54 degrees down to 24 degrees. A 30-degree drop in my body does not uh, bolt well when that happens. So if I if I sound a little nasally and pinched, it's because I have a cold and I'm fighting through it, but at least I'm here, and uh, we are going to fight through that and entertain you all at the same time. So, Scott, now, uh, uh, I'm sure that everybody is uh, – I don't know if they're bored with us about talking about the black tent, but when you think about it, and we've talked about this many times, uh, this is one of those films that you're going all out for because this is yeah, what yeah. you would call your baby, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they they really all are, but I mean, this one more so than usual. So I'm, you know, each time I make a picture, I, I think we might have talked about this before. I did, you know, I did a short horror movie called Lost, and like then I jumped into a feature film, which was. A lot more entailed for Light Canyon, which is a werewolf movie. And now, you know, trying my hand at directing and writing and producing a comedy, The Five Losers on the Line. But The Black Tent's going to be different because I'm going, I'm going to be working with a production designer. Um, it, we're going for German expressionism. So, I mean, that's the Tim Burton look. Um, we've already got a scale model of the set made, and I really think it gives it off, especially now that we've done a test and the right lighting with it and all. It really, I think it's really going to have that vibe. And, you know, my composer is going to give us a little little taste of that Danny Elfman kind of score mixed in with some of our own stuff. So, um, yeah, we, I mean, we've already been dabbling, like, behind the scenes on the things that we can, like music cues and, you know, like lighting and stuff with the model that we have. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's it'll be much more exciting and, you know, fulfilling once we're on set and shooting this thing. And you know, I, I've seen I've seen the mock up of the set, and it's it's going to be awesome. But let me ask you this: Do you plan on uh, like throwing everything, putting all the all the set pieces in your backyard, or are you going to have to rent a studio somewhere or like a back lot? 
we have to rent space. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's not going to be in my backyard. That's for sure. There's not enough, not enough room. Um, now, we're, there's a few different places in New Jersey. In fact, one of the uh, uh, people that were at the screen tonight was talking about an estate in Dennis Township, New Jersey. So it's, that's a possibility as well. And then, of course, there's another possibility up in um, Garfield, New Jersey, up in you know, the northern area. So they're like the two that are looking the most. And then, of course, we will have some uh, – we are going to be taking up some space in some mini studio. Uh, you know, around the area. But again, it's not going to be in my backyard per se. It'll be in New Jersey, but it's going to be closer up north. And uh, how uh, how many days do you plan? Uh, see, this is we're, every week we're kind of building up to this because uh, mm-hmm. everybody knows you're going to be co-hosting you know, until March. So we're going to be giving little tidbits every week so it doesn't mm-hmm. so it doesn't sound stale, and we're not talking about the same stuff. So I have uh, every week. I'm compiling more questions. I'm going to ask you as we get into uh, as we get into March. Okay. My next question is, if I can remember what my next question was, when uh, how many dates do you plan on shooting? The dates, specific date. It's going to be. Well, I mean, we're hoping to start on March the 18th on a 25-day shoot. I mean, that's what we're planning on. Well, we should have a cl- more clear idea by the end of the year because, like I said, we have a big meeting on Thursday night with an agent um, about, you know, um, financial assistance for the film. So, you know, Thursday night's going to be the night when we, you know, get um, we get some news here. So we'll, we go from there. And with that, with that being said, uh, starting March 18th on a 25-day shoot, do you, uh, is there any leeway that you'd be, be willing to go over that, or is it just going to be tight-knit that's got to be done in 25 days? Yeah, it's going to be pretty tight, yeah, 25. I mean, in the end, that's pretty much all we really need for this. Um, you know, uh, the current draft of the script is fairly the draft we're going to be filming. I mean, there may be some changes and some dialogue and things like that, but overall, this is the script. Um, so, I mean... Craig Atkinson and I have been through it a couple of times. 25 days is really old. It's going to need. I mean, I, I've, I've shot a few movies already. Um, I kind of know what I can do, especially with the bigger crew, you know, and everything. I think 25 days are going to be just fine. And with that, you know, and then we'll just have to uh, – now, will, will you be filming nonstop? Will you have, like, 20-hour days, 23-hour uh, days? Not, what do you think the filming schedule will be? No, I think we're looking at maybe like 10, 11 hour days. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's going to be a day off every week. So, you know, I mean, a day off for the actors. I don't know if it's going to be so much a day off for myself and the editor and all. But, but you know, the plan is that uh, hopefully, you know, very soon, like I said, um, we should have some answers by the end of this week. Um, I'll be in touch with you over the weekend for sure. Um, fingers crossed, you know, we get some really super news Thursday night. And if not, well, we have plan B. So then we just go on to that and we keep trucking along. I mean, there is, you know, we do have investors on the project already. So, but we, um, you know, we do, um, do we'll look for more if, if need be. So, so the way I figured a 25-day shoot, uh, give or take, you'd start March 18th and end around uh, April, uh, April 20th, maybe? Yep, sounds about right. All right, and then uh, when I uh, uh, when I uh, plan on coming up there to do my part, uh, 
will uh, you give me some leeway on uh, what weekend I can come down there? Because it would have to be, obviously, on a weekend I have off. Uh, but uh, would that work, or would would I expect it to be on set at a certain time? Uh, so once we have the UPM in place, that's a production manager. We don't have one yet. Um, we're I'm in the process of hiring one. I'll be able to give you a better idea on that. Uh, but uh, probably, yeah, I mean, we're probably not going to be shooting on Sunday. All right. So it might have to well, be. I- might have to be during the week. Well, you know, well, you know, the good news is uh, my schedule at uh, my paying job uh, has changed, so they're they're actually moving me to days. So uh, usually, what I would have to do is use most of my vacation so I can do the stuff I want at night. And uh, now, since uh, I'll be getting done at five o'clock instead of eight o'clock, uh, I'll have that extra time where I won't have to take. Uh, time off at night anymore so i'll be able to save up more of my vacation time to come out there and the thing is i want to be able to take in the whole thing you know i like to mm-hmm. I, don't, I just i just don't if you'll allow this i'll understand if you don't want to but my my goal is to take it all in and i mm-hmm. you know i like i don't want to just come fill my part and then leave i like to like experience a couple of days on set just to kind of take it all in and you know, see how it all comes together and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe talk Alexis into that love scene. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's going to go for that, but okay. <laughs> I, I know. She, she's already she, – uh, as a matter of fact, I think uh, not only did she rip the page out of the script, I think she burned it too, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, this, so. this will be fun. So our, our first guest tonight is we uh, will be Chase Dudley, and uh, we're waiting for him to uh, call in and join us, and uh, we will have some fun with him. And uh, you know, the, you know, the cool thing is when I have uh, actors and actresses and directors and independent film writers and all this, uh, you can actually uh, ask questions that I wouldn't even think of. You know, most people think that. I have all these people on just because I want to try and get a part in a movie. Well, you know, we, we know that couldn't be closer to the truth because it is the truth. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. And when people realize that, you know, it may, it may sound like I'm bragging here or not, but uh, when people realize that actually uh, I'm actually a pretty fun guy uh, compared to, you know, I have there's like there's like two of me. I have two personas. I have the icon which you hear right now, and then there's Scott that lives his everyday life. When I'm in public, it's always the icon. When I'm at work doing a professional thing, it's always Scott. So there's there's a difference. There's one that I can turn on and turn off, and there's one that has to be on all the time. So with that being said, we need to take a quick little commercial break. Our first guest is waiting in the wings. We're going to take a quick little commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages, so stick with us, and we will be right back. So, if your spring and summer projects include some concrete work, Elevated Concrete can help. They can be reached at 701-866-9018 or at Elevated Concrete on Facebook. Their concrete work includes driveways, sidewalks, walkways, approaches, garage floors, patios, and shed pads. Plus, they offer decorative or stamped concrete as well, and all estimates are free. 
they are ready right now for any concrete project you have. That's Elevated Concrete at 701-866-9018. Ladies and gentlemen, back here on 89.1 Ken's FM and stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. He is our first guest of the night. He is the directing, acting, and producing extraordinaire with a smile that's worth a million bucks. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Chase Dudley himself. Hey, how's it going? What's new, my man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. I was I was kind of hoping you'd fire off that script, but we can do it at the end, too. No problem. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I um, yeah. I I yeah. Sorry, I dropped the ball. <laughs> well, uh, well. Hey, it's uh, I, I'm used to uh, watching uh, my uh, football team drop the ball, so I'm used to it. So no big deal. Uh, the only thing Are is you, a Kansas you City dropping the Chiefs ball. Fan? Uh, no, no, no. I'm a Vikings fan, which I guess is uh, oh, which is okay, which is interesting enough. Uh, we won the most boring game in history this last Sunday, three to nothing, uh, to the Raiders. And uh, yeah, I as that. I said, I, yeah, as I said, I'm used to watching my team uh, drop the ball, but this time you dropping the ball didn't cost seven points, so we're good. But anyway, so here's what we're gonna do this, uh, Chase. Uh, uh, it's just me and uh, my buddy Scott Hand tonight. Uh, okay. Matthias is uh, on temporary assignment, and uh, of course, Big Swing. He's uh, He's off in uh, uh, ESPN New York uh, covering Monday Night Football. So uh, he's not here, so it's just the two of us. So the three of us guys here will have some fun uh, with this interview. Before we do that, uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to have you give us a little background about yourself, and I'll ask you some questions. We'll have Scott okay. ask a few, then we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the separate questions. So go ahead. Give us a little background. Hey, so, yeah, um, my name is Chase Dudley. I'm um, – a filmmaker, uh, been making movies, um, well, nearly, t- uh, 20 years. Of course, it took a long time for me to make my first film, uh, because starting off, uh, no one wants to work with you because if you don't have a reel or a demo of anything you can see, nobody wants to attach themselves to your, to your name. Hey, I, I, I know, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I was, I used to go to high school. I know the feeling. <laughs> so exactly. So you're you're trying to um, get people to be interested in your movies, and you know back then also um, you know starting off too, you're very nervous and you don't really know how to articulate your vision and um, just the, you know people you really want to reach out to and want to be in your movie. Um, you know they they got things going on, and if you never done anything then they're more like i don't know you you don't have nothing to prove so uh, goodbye um it's kind of like going to college but then when you out of college no one wants to hire you because you have no experience um so it, it took about four or five years me wanting to try to make a movie to even make my first movie and then you know my very first feature film was so bad i won't show nobody anyway uh so it, that that was a bit of a struggle within itself. Um, and then my very first feature film, uh, Past Due, I made in 2012. And um, that was a really interesting concept, but poorly executed. And it was about a librarian serial killer that kills you for overdue library books. Um, wow, sounds like, uh, really, like the uh, 
uh, sounds like a couple high schools in New York. <laughs> um, I don't think I heard about that. Well, that was a joke, but anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you never know. To, I mean, to, to be fair, you never know. Um, is there so much things? <laughs> perfect. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, no, that is an epic fail. Uh, <laughs> that was perfect timing. Well, you know, I, I was no, going to um, We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to ask you about that, Chase, and uh, we're going to go over a lot of your projects here. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know how you mentioned how some people say, uh, I don't know you, this and that. Uh, you're lucky because people tell you, hey, I don't know you. People tell me, don't call me anymore. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse, right? I, right. I, think, I'd rather, I think I'd rather be told I don't know you. <laughs> Instead of, don't call me ever again. <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Scott's one of the uh, Scott's one of the few directors, and we'll have him ask a couple questions in a second. But Scott's one of the few directors that, uh, when I call him, he says he's not. He's the only guy that did not say, "Don't call us. We'll call us." <laughs> So let's uh, let's let's talk about a few of your movies here. Then uh, I'll ask you a couple questions about that, and we'll talk about your future okay. stuff. Uh, see, uh, I'll tell you what, Chase. We we uh, I booked you eight months ago, and you had you had no idea what's going to be this fun. I promise you, it was going to be. So uh, let's talk about a few uh, a few of your projects. Let's see: Final Offense, Fourteen for Eighty Eight, uh, Retribution, uh, Peyton's Burden, uh, Marvelous Mandy. Um, uh, I'm surprised I haven't met her. Uh, payday, Beast of the Field, and Lock-In. So uh, let's talk about those. Uh, they have you listed as a producer in those. Did, did you also do any acting in those or directing those or just yes, producing? I, no, I, I directed, produced, and acted in them before. You know, um, when I first started off, um, again, it was really hard to find people uh, to fill in parts, so I end up having to do more than one hat. And then, of course, when I first started wanting to make movies, um, acting was the, my first love that I really, really wanted to be. Directing really came accidentally. Um, it was very hard to break into the industry. Um, I joined a couple casting agencies, and, you know, of course, you're sitting on a back burner. You never hear anything. Um, and you know, you, you get anxious, and especially when you really want to make something. Um, so trying to get together uh, friends, that didn't work. Uh, then, you know, pe meeting people who are starting off. Um, and, of course, then acting in those films were very hard because it's hard to try to get people to do what you what you need them to do on top of acting, uh, which was always super, super stressful. So a lot of those films... They're they're in my private collection that I will probably never release, and I'm referring to um, 1488 Final Offense, and um, you know, of course, I then um, did Peyton's Burton, which I considered that my second feature film, um, and that was my last time I really truly acted as far as a big chunk of the movie. Um, and luckily the movie came along, uh, really well. And that, that was, 
um, a, a feature film version of 1488, which is a, a interracial um, drama that I experienced during high school, um, where um, my high school sweetheart's father and parents um, were very racist and. Um, that made it very, very hard. They tried switching our schools. They tried doing all kinds of stuff to, to stop us from seeing each other. And um, it was a it was a pretty violent experience. And I remember, um, I'm, because um, at the time, um, she was 17 and I was 18, and he tried to get me for um, statutory rape, which was really stupid because I was just one year older, um, and. Um, and it's, the state of Kentucky is the legal age of consent, which at, is, you know, she's 16 and I was, even if I was 18, technically the two-year gap wouldn't really matter. Now, if that was a different state, then that might be a different thing. But um, I've never been through such a public um, relationship where my parents was reading a lot of my private uh information and then it was just like our whole high school knew our business of what was going on it truly felt like a hollywood relationship um and that was just a, an experience that i would never forgot so um i wanted to make a movie about that experience and uh i i i don't even know i didn't even i i tried looking the girl up um, could not find any info on her, um, but you know it, it. It was a. It was good to get that um, off my conscience and move on. Um, and it was really neat to revisit that experience filming it. Um, so I was glad to get that off my chest. Uh, Chase Dudley is our guest here. We got about uh, twenty minutes here left with Chase. Now, uh, one thing. About, then we'll go to Scott here. Uh, you in twenty twenty. Uh, you. Uh, uh, you won Best Director for Beasts of the Peels, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, because uh, uh, in 2024, uh, Scott Hand is going to win Best Director for The Black Tent, and uh, I plan on winning uh, Best uh, um, Supporting Guy at the Buffet Table on set. So uh, what, what was it like when you won the Best Director? Nah. You know what's really, <laughs> you know what's really funny is, I was really going through a really hard time around that time. Um, you know, of course, COVID happened. Uh, the movie we got financed for locked in. Um, we lost financing. Um, and then the lockdown happened. Um, you know, and then, of course, it was just a lot of controversial that year. It was just so much going on in 2020. It's, it's kind of really felt like an apocalypse. It kind of felt like the movie's a joker. Um it was just it was so many riots going um on in our town um for the uh fatal shooting and it was you know like it was televised and um it, it was a really really depressing year and then the icing on the cake was um my wife and I lost um a baby um oh, sorry so I logged off thank you it, it's you know of course like now it's it's you, you deal you don't ever get past it but you you get, you know, you move on uh, daily because life, of course, goes on. Um, we we remain strong. Um, but I, I checked out for Facebook, so I had no idea until I came back on in 2021. And um, there was a lot of people messaging me telling me that I won this award. And I was, 
I, I really felt um, bad because, of course, I wish I could have shown up. Um, but I, you know, it was just so, so much going on at the time. I just I needed I needed to mentally reset. Um, well, did you? Uh, very you got all these, when you saw all these messages, did you, did did you think you were getting punked or what? I really did, and it kind of it was it's something like that similar happened in 2019 as well. Um, right around September, I got an email. Um, my wife comes screaming; she's in tears, like jumping up and down. And I'm like, "What? <laughs> did we win the lottery?" And she was like, "No, honey, they're going to induct you into the Kentucky Motion Picture Hall of Fame." And I left. You know, I'm like. You're seriously getting punked. That was, that was my exact words. And then I found out that there was a ceremony and an event, um, and it all happened right before COVID um, started. And that was the best um, moment where um, they played all of my films, at, you know, the Kentucky Theater, and, you know, I got to meet the governor. And um, it was a it was a really nice – and I was, I'm right there next to Jim Varn uh, from Ernest Goes to Jail, um, and that is um, that is a really really amazing achievement. I I felt like it was so many other more uh, talented filmmakers who I felt made um, stronger pictures that should have been into that conversation uh, rather than me. But I'm I'm really grateful that I was selected, and um, I, I I was I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and if, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, when you got there. You're like, okay, where's Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, <laughs> I really did because I mean, again, it just it did not seem real when she was telling me this, and I'm like, um, sometimes my wife can get a little uh, excited, and and I'm like, what's the catch? You know, I, I really did not feel that um, that sounded real because um, I mean, of course. Um, I know so many great filmmakers that is in Kentucky, um, you know, and they're 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 very talented. I would have never thought me out of all people would have been picked, um, but I guess every artist kind of I guess struggle with that. Um, you know, you're your worst critic. They say um, I'm very hard on myself. <laughs> uh, Chase Dovey's our guest here. Uh, we're going to go to my uh, co-host. Uh, uh, now, Scott, uh, you have uh, a lot in common with uh, Mr. Dudley, and uh, Ooh, it. Uh, yeah, go, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's uh, after you ask your question, then uh, I'm going to try and get involved in one of his projects, kind of like what I did with you. But the only thing is, mm-hmm. I sent you my last blank check, Scott. So uh, go ahead. What do you got for our guest, Chase? Dudley? go ahead. You're out of luck, Chase. I got all his money. You're out of luck. <laughs> How you doing, Chase? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? All right. So let me ask you this: What, what, like, I mean, you were talking about acting. Like, what, what was there a particular movie or actor that got you inspired to go into filmmaking? Like, what, what was the origin of it? Like, how far back um, does it go in your life? I, horror films. Um, growing up, it was always horror films. Um, Within the you know um, the early '80s of watching films, I remember watching The Nightmare on Elm Street with my brothers, and um, I remember being terrified taking a taking a bath. I go you know weeks without taking a bath because I was convinced 
Freddy Krueger was waiting for me in the bottom of the drain, uh, ready to suck me in like he did with um, at the Lander camp with uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street. And it took like four or five people to get me submerged into the tub. Um, and I, I can still remember vividly me not willing to go down. And I remember making everybody soaking wet, giving me a bath. Um <laughs> Uh, then the very first movie I, I really vividly remember watching, um, I was five years old, and that was Child's Play. I remember I was getting my hair cut, and my uncle asked if we wanted to watch the movie Child's Play, and I was hooked in, and um, that movie, did, I was so so obsessed with it. I had the VHS, watched that movie every single day, where I literally knew every second of every frame I did poorly in school uh, at, at the you know elementary age, but I knew every line that was on the movie Child's Play. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so the horror movies is what got you inspired. Yes, the horror movies because uh, you know the eighties were. I mean, it was just the eighties dominated with horror. It was like almost everything was horror. You had the Friday the Thirteenth. You had the Halloweens. Then you had you know, of course, Jaws. Of course, came out in nineteen seventy four, but um, that was on replay. Then you, you had Carrie. Then you had so many movies that was just constantly. So that's all that I grew up on, and that's all you know. Me and my uh, siblings watched was. Um, those movies, and um, I remember seeing The Blob, and that movie was very, very traumatizing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one little one little movement under the cover, and you're looking under to make sure that thing is not there to like liquefy you. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can relate. When I was a kid, the ones that got me was uh, Salem's Lot and Count Yorga. Yeah, you're from oh my gosh, Salem's Lot. Salem Lot, yeah, Salem Lot was such a good movie. I am, re- I mean, a lot of people are not excited about the remake, but I am. Um, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. You think it'll uh, be Jason. as good as the original? I I don't know. I I I I felt like it could have been because I I truly liked the 2017 version of it. I didn't care about the 2019 version, but I did think that they captured the magic. Um, and especially the opening scene. So I really had high hopes of it until they said that, hey, we're going to just put it on streaming. Chase Dudley is our guest here. We've got about 11 minutes here with uh, Chase Dudley. And uh, for those of you, and uh, pardon the uh, comparison here, Chase, but for those of you who have not ever seen uh, what Chase Dudley looks like, uh, he's got a smile that's worth a million bucks. And uh, uh, he could have been, uh, and Lou Bega could have been his stunt double. Uh, he's that uh, he's that good looking. So just so you know, that's how uh, that's how good looking Chase is. And also, I I, I also uh, don't, before I forget, I also want to wish you a happy birthday. I, I wanted to get you on on your birthday, but uh, uh, I know you're. I know I'm a little late, but uh, I hope you got my birthday wishes that I sent you. I did, and thank you so much. Sorry, it's been such a – my life is very chaotic outside of um, – recently um, my social media account has just really, really blew up, and I, I don't have no one. It's just me uh, managing my page on top of um, a lot of the productions, and then this week my um, wife and kids, just, uh, this they got COVID, and um, – 
So um, me on top of taking care of my family and everything. Can, um, can I tell you how your social media started blowing up? Uh, sure. You're on this show. That is exactly right, man. Um, I, I was really, I, I'm, cause I was really glad that everything worked out. I remember us booking, uh, earlier in the year and, you know, um, a lot of times, sometimes people, you know, things change and stuff, but you, you guys really stuck to your guns and I really, really appreciate that. Um, I don't like changing schedules and, you know, we had this literally right around the beginning of the year. And here we are, and everything went according to plan. Um, and I loved how you guys really set the reminders on top of the reminders, so it would have been no excuse for me not to be here. Well, you know, actually, we we booked you February fifth of twenty twenty three. Yeah, see, that's that's amazing. That like right at the beginning of the year, because I, I remember. Um, I, I'm. You, it's funny because you you mentioned it right as the show started. Um, I was kind of surprised you asked me this early in the year, what am I doing in December? I'm like, nothing that I know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, but it, it, it was really, really, really neat. Um, and this year really flew by, man, like, because I came into 2023 not very in a great, um, you know, headspace. I was literally uh, spent 2022 trying to um, – get Broken Innocence uh, going, and that was probably my hardest film to get funded, and then I ended up doing the Indiegogo campaign, um, and my campaign manager, Abel Berry, he, you know, helped me raise um, 60000 uh for this film, and then we turned around and bought on the investor for another 15000 and um, it was easily my biggest budget to film, and we released a trailer two weeks ago, and we're almost at 50,000 views, and um, this movie really has a lot of great momentum to it, and it is easily the best-looking um, film that we've done, and it really touches on an amazing subject matter. I wouldn't say amazing subject matter because that can be mixed. I can really take out a context. It's a very important subject matter that I think is um, it's a very unique story. It's kind of like a, I spit on your grave, but um, more grounded. It doesn't show like some of the horrific um, rape content, and it's a lot of that is implied. You know, it's happening, but it focuses more on the mental um, health aspect of it and the mental breakdown of what a, what a victim goes through um, psychologically, and then it kind of focuses on the revenge aspect element. Um, and I, I really think people are going to really dive in what mentally um, people who are sexually abused go through to um, really understand and kind of show more sympathetic. Because, um, of course, it's always a very difficult choice on how to express and how to dive into that story. Um, so I think we really executed that very well. You know, it, it's funny how you mentioned how you, you – uh, you found an investor, and you invested this much money, and then you, you found another. Uh, uh, now, Scott, uh, I was going to ask you, do you think uh, maybe uh, we can ask Chase if we could borrow his Rolodex? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I get one, I'll let you know. <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me borrow your cell phone for like five minutes, and uh, I'll look for the uh, guys with dollar signs by their last name, and I'll, uh, I'll get those, and I'll give it right back to you. I appreciate that. Hey, so it's funny that you mentioned that because when people see that you raise that kind of money on Indiegogo, they assume that the production is just raining money. But the reality is is that you still need so much more money to make a movie. And it's crazy because, you know, Hollywood, they they have studios where if they go over budget, of course, you know, um, they're they're much more stricter and there's a lot more people to make sure that don't happen. But – uh, you know, if you're on like a Marvel or DC project, I mean, you know, they have like scheduled reshoots, you know, opposed to an indie budget where if you go over budget, uh, guess what? Um, good luck. It comes out of your pocket. Yeah. yeah, it does. Um, yep. You know, and then you try to go on Indiegogo and, and try to, you know, of course, ask for more money and then they're going to be like, hey, uh, I need more money to shoot. Well, why didn't you film it? Um, mm-hmm. Then then it looks even worse. Um, you know, like, I, I mean, I know a lot of Indiegogo campaigns. I see all kinds of uh, stuff, and everybody has different needs and stuff. But when you know, sometimes you see people do finishing funds, and they're asking for like thirty thousand, and you're like, "Whoa, um, <laughs> you, you, you know, what are you doing?" <laughs> um, I always try to make sure that money I, I raise significantly for the goals filmed. Um, I try to make sure that that is, the, you know, that, that rolls over to the pre-production, production, and post-production um, is very, very hard um, to, I mean, raise money, let alone um, finishing funds. Uh, but a lot of times people are like, well, why do you need money to finish the film? Uh, you know, like it's, it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And, and some people are really good at doing that. And that's where transparency really, really comes in. Um, yeah. The Mahal brothers are very good at, you know, ver- being very transparent to um, a lot of people that, you know, donate to their campaigns, and that's really, really good. And hopefully um, moving forward, I hope that people see where that money went, that we um, worked our tush off on the set of Broken Innocence because we did some super long days, um, but we got it made, and it was it – was, um, Let's just say, like, the long days and, and, and the intensity of the shoot, um, I'm just glad that it really showed how hard we worked on set because it wasn't fun. Chase told me I guess we've got about uh, five minutes here with Chase. Uh, so we don't forget about doing this, Chase. If our fans want to check you out and see you, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. Uh, what do you got? I got uh, mainly the best place to reach me is uh, Facebook. Um, Instagram, I seldomly, but my Facebook is so booked, um, and it's so it's so much more of my traffic that goes on there. It, it really, um, I would need a whole other person to run um, my Instagram. So message me on Facebook. Um, I, I'm trying to develop my YouTube better. I could be better. Um, there's some people like Jason Horton that kills it on YouTube. Um, that's where I'm trying to also strive at. Um, I'm trying to definitely branch out and level out on each platform. Uh, but Facebook right now is my main uh, source of where you see me. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Chase, I got a perfect idea. The next time uh, you need to uh, raise money uh, for your next project, uh, kind of like what uh, uh, a lot of my friends do, uh, just let them know that the 
that the icon from North Dakota is involved in the project, the 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 coin will start rolling in at least uh, at least by the buckets of pennies anyway. Okay, well, we'll definitely would do that. And I, you know, like 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 I do with Scott here, I would love to come work for you one uh, for one of your projects. I think it's you know you mentioned how you know it's hard to get people to uh, you know to be get involved in your project. If you need anything, you have my number. I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to come uh, work for you. Uh, I like the deal that I have with Scott. All you gotta do is uh, give me a place to sleep on set. Throw me a couple hot dogs in the morning. Let me run through the catering table. I'm good. I definitely keep that in mind. And where where are you located? I'm actually in Fargo, North Dakota, where we have four seasons: winter, flood, road construction, and football. Oh man, North Dakota! <laughs> 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 that is perfect. That never gets old. So uh, you know, I'll tell you what, Chase. Uh, uh, we we only got about uh, we only got about uh, two minutes here with you, but I'll tell you what, man, you you are so awesome, man, and uh, you know I wish I could have got you in earlier, but uh, you know when uh, you have guests booked from now until the end of the year, like and not that I'm bragging or anything, it might sound like I am, but uh, we have actually hey, guest booked. We actually have guest booked from now until the end of 2025, so I'm already starting on 2026. Dude, that is amazing. And I thank you so much for having me on. It, it was truly a blast, and um, definitely I, I love the communication from you guys, and I, I love um, I love starting off being the um, the laughing stock <laughs> of me not seeing what I should have done. I'm, I'm looking at the message of where I was supposed to do my introduction, and I clearly failed hard. But thank you so much for uh, not not giving me too hard time on that. Well, hey, uh, can we uh, can we get you to come back and join us? Uh yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I know that uh, you got a couple uh, projects that are uh, that are coming up in 2024 that we love to uh, yeah. help you uh, promote. And uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, they are called Banished and Broken Innocence. Yeah, well, uh, broke. Yes, Broken Innocence will be released next year, um, next summer, 2024, and then I will be shooting my biggest uh, slasher horror film of um, of my career, and it's going to be a really ambitious shoot. Uh, it's called Blood on the Bleachers. Um, very, very, very excited about this movie. Got a few um, icons that are attached. Of course, I cannot disclose at this time, but it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Uh, if you're a big fan of Scream, I know what you did last summer, and Urban Legends, the late uh, '90s slasher, you're gonna absolutely love this film. Um, I have some amazing talent attached, and I have an amazing screenwriters, um, uh, Bob Gunner and Adrian Miller, that wrote a fantastic script, and I cannot wait to really dive into this story. Are you uh, are you looking for uh, people to be part of that? Um, yeah, actually, um, yeah, um, we, like I said, it's, it's going to be our biggest ambitious, uh, shoot. So we're going to need tons of help. Um, and we're going to be shooting that right just south of Louisville. Um, and again, it, it kind of goes back to that, um, nineties retro slasher. It takes uh, place primarily at, um, a high school and it's going to have all of those amazing, um, homage scenes. Um, and of course there's going to be its own 
self-contained film. It's not going to be like a just full of nostalgia, but it is going to have some of those moments that just take you back to the um, the the '90s element that I felt was one of the best decades. Uh, I felt like the '80s, definitely, rightfully so, is very beloved. But I truly feel that the '90s were some of the best times of horror movies. It doesn't get enough appreciation. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. You are awesome, and I'm glad that uh, that uh, that I was able to have you on. And uh, like I say, here, it, uh, we, we, booked, we booked you 10 months ago. And real quick here, I'm just going to ask you uh, how you like that collector's card I made for you. The Oh, you're talking about... Um, Forgive me, I just tested positive for COVID, and I feel foggy brain. But <laughs> the, the the collector's card I made with you, with you and the camera. Oh yeah, I, definitely. I'm so sorry. Um, I yeah, I like today we um, we went to the doctor and we wasn't feeling good, and apparently we have COVID. So um, I I really feel like I have mem- like a goldfish memory today. I don't know what it is. Well, I'll tell you what, you're still awesome, and we love you, and uh, we thank you for joining us, and we're definitely going to have you back on again, and I do want to come work for you on that project. I'll even ring the phone. Hey, I appreciate it. Let's, let's definitely touch base on that, and I so I apologize if I was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a dish, but again, I, I didn't want to cancel, um, but yeah, it's a little under the weather, but thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Well, you're awesome, man. We love you so much, and we will definitely have you on with us again. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right. We need to take a commercial break so I can get our our next guest on. So uh, everybody stick with us. We'll be back after these messages. So stay with us. As you know, 89.1 Ken's FM is funded through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3000. Please leave your message for 4103. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship. We have many packages available to fit your budget. So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. And thanks for listening to 89.1 Kens FM. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. I do believe she's here with us right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Renee Yes. Renee, are you there? All right, hold on one second. Uh, Scott, you're there, aren't you? Yes, I am. All right, hold on a second. I'm going to try and do this here real quick. Uh, our guest keeps getting hung up on, so I don't know why. So I'm going to try calling this again. And once again, I'm sure this is riveting radio here, but uh, let me try and call our guest again and see if uh, we can get her on. Uh, that's what happens when you uh, have phone issues sometimes. It um Sometimes it happens, but we'll uh, we'll try and connect with her. And uh, uh, you know, I tell you what, Scott, I think it would be cool if we could do some uh, with Chase uh, down the road. I think that'd be awesome. I think so too. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Hello, 
Renee, are you there? I am. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's do this here. If you want to go ahead and do that script, then I'll uh, then I'll introduce you. Then we'll uh, have fun with the interview. Go ahead. Okay. Wonderful. Hey, this is Renee Angelinus. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Mondays on eighty nine point one Ken's FM with your host, the Icon, and also the Modern Nightmare Messiah and the Big Swing. Well, how are you, Renee? Good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I am wonderful. How are you? Good. I, I don't know what was going on with the uh, with the hanging up there, but Scott got hung up on too. So I do apologize. All right. Well, it's good to know it wasn't just me. <laughs> so here's how we're going to do this today. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then we'll do a roundtable, uh, and then we'll have uh, uh, our buddy Scott uh, ask you a few questions, and we'll come back to me and I'll ask you a tougher questions. But first, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll have some fun with the interview. Go ahead. Okay. Um... I am an actress. Um, I, geez, uh, let's see. I was uh, from originally from New Jersey. I live in Maryland now, but uh, I'm bi-coastal. Um, what else do you want to know? I don't know. Well, you, well, you know, uh, uh, when uh, Scott asked his questions, you know, you mentioned you're from New Jersey. Uh, uh, you and Scott have something in common. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, one thing I do want to talk to you about is uh, some of the projects that you've done, and then uh, we'll, we could also talk about some of the other stuff that uh, that uh, you're that you got upcoming. But uh, sure. a couple of things I do want to ask you about is uh, uh, Good Night Lights and Bullet. Oh, okay, very good. Um, those are both out on Amazon now. Um, uh, Good Night Light uh, is, uh, are we live now? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I apologize. Okay. So um, Good Night Light is uh, a movie by a gentleman. His name is Roger Rohrer, and uh, it, uh, it filmed in West Virginia. Um, and I play um, a character named Joan that shows up in the middle of the night with these uh, college kids that are on vacation in a cabin in the woods. Sounds like right and that is out, and it's it is fun. Uh, it is fun, and and that's on Amazon Prime now. It was released last month. Uh, we have uh, we have our days, I guess, here on 89.1 Kent FM. we got about uh, 25 or so minutes here with uh, Renee. And, uh, you know, a couple other uh, cool things is, uh, and we get most of our information here from imdb.com, so if any of this information is inaccurate, uh, you'll have to fire IMDb and not our producer. But a couple movie, uh, a couple other movies that you got coming up, uh, uh, Exit, uh, Surreal, It's Not True, yes. Uh, Nostradamus Seeds, uh, Drug Hunter, <laughs> uh, Footsteps, and probably the most interesting thing, Spring Break 1929. I'm guessing there's not much flashing going on in that Spring Break movie. <laughs> no, not at all. Actually, it's not. I, I apologize for, for, uh, for fixing this, but it's, it's actually Summer Break. It's Summer Break. Oh, Summer Break. Um, okay. It's... Um, it's summer break 1929. Um, 
So, uh, but it is, uh, yes, that's, that's pretty exciting. I have a lead role in that. Um, and uh, it is filming, actually. I'm not there. I haven't been on set yet, but it's filming this summer. Um, and it's a thriller. It's a thriller. Um, what I can tell you is I play a character named Lucinda, and I am uh, a, a caretaker, a, uh, an immortal caretaker of a mansion that shows up uh, during the summer and uh, creepy things happen. So are you one, so are you one of those uh, caretakers that uh, if, the, uh, if the boss does not pay you, uh, he's going to be checking out soon? <laughs> um, I am, I am more of a... <laughs> you can check out anytime you like, but you just can never leave. Um, but no, but no, uh, I'm actually, uh, apparently I'm dressed in Victorian clothing and, uh, um, and, uh, I, it's, it's my mansion. Um, but, uh, we kind of, the mansion and I travel around, uh, wreaking havoc on, uh, summer vacationers, people that rent the mansion out. Oh, that's cool. And uh, uh, before we go to Scott here, there's one other uh, uh, movie I want to uh, uh, ask you about. Uh, then we got to have our top of the hour break. Uh, you know, we got to do the whole legal ID thing. Uh, there's actually a movie that you directed that kind uh, of uh, would kind of kind of be loosely based on this show called "An Interview Gone Terribly Wrong." Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, you can actually find that on YouTube if anybody wants to watch it. Um, it's mildly cringeworthy. Um, it, I did it in 2018. I actually delved into movie making myself and it was, uh, for, uh, my, uh, student film. Uh, it actually stars my husband and I, and it's, 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 kind of an interview that goes terribly wrong. Uh, a young lady goes in, decides to interview somebody, and it does not end well. Um, it's only seven minutes long, so it, it's it's not that long. But it, I've when uh, people were watching it, uh, they seemed to enjoy it and laugh a lot. So uh, if you want to watch it, it is on YouTube. But it it uh, it stars me. Um, I was the producer. I was the videographer, um, and my husband also turned turns while I was um, on camera. And then I did lots of editing, and that's color, and it's it's sound, and it's it. That was my student film. Um, I will tell you, I have great respect for editors. In my opinion, editing is one of the the hardest, most. That is where where all the meat of of media produ- of uh, movie production is is in editing. The seven minutes took me, t- I would say, about a, two weeks to edit. So uh, wow! But anyway, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, but an interview gone terribly. Yes. Uh, Renee Jalonso, I guess, here on 89.1 Kins FM. And uh, we got, uh, well, we got a good uh, chunk of time here with you. We got about, uh, well, we got about uh, 20 minutes here left with you before our uh, 
before our next guest comes in. So uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, we got to take a quick little break, and uh, we'll be back uh, for part two of the interview on the uh, on the next segment here. And okay. uh, when we come back, I'm going to introduce you to my uh, co-host. His name is Scotty, and uh, we will uh, be back uh, after this commercial break, so stick with us, uh, and hopefully it will play here soon. I don't know why it's not, but, and it, well, you know, it's all about timing. Uh, now I can actually find out how far behind <laughs> the uh, computer is. That's why I always miss the cue, because it's behind a couple seconds. But anyway, uh and then uh, we'll talk about uh, all the other projects you got coming up uh, as soon as this thing uh, goes. Sure, and sure. I'm, I'm this is technical difficulty. Right. <laughs> You're just doing this to make me feel good. KNNZFM, Holly Fargo-Moorhead. Independent Public Radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back. All right, Renee, so uh, I want to introduce you to uh, my co-host. His name is uh, Scott Hand, and he is probably the, uh, the greatest independent film director in America today. And the reason why I know that is because he's going to have me in a couple of his films. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so, Scott, what do you have for our guest, uh, Renee Jones? Go ahead. Hi, Renee. Hi, Scott. How are you? All right. So you're more interested in the editing than acting? No, I, I've been – well, that's – when I did my student film, that's what got me back into acting. Um, mm-hmm. I was a web producer for many years, and I thought media production, uh, working on films, would be kind of a good segue into that. And uh, creating my own movie kind of got me back into uh, acting, which I, I did in college when I was a little bit younger. But um, so, so yeah, that was 2018, and I started taking acting classes and and networking, and and now I've been in a few things. How how and long developing ago an your, acting career? How long ago does it go back? Like, what's your origin? What made you want to be an actress? Oh gosh, when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My, was when I was a little actor, kid, actress, I was very movie. dramatic. <laughs> Uh, jeez, I I don't know. My grandparents used to call me Sarah Bernhardt. <laughs> I was, whenever I would whine, they go, "Oh, you're such a Sarah Bernhardt, silent mil- silent movie star." Yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> but there wasn't I didn't even know who like she was, but I knew movie. I was like her. Yeah, but you didn't have a particular movie. Like, you didn't go and see a movie and, like, it really stayed with you and you thought, wow, I'd, I'd want to do this or, like, an actor or an actress or something like that? Um, I think I was just downstairs in my grandparents' basement. I, I would grab all the, all, the, all the kids in the neighborhood and i put plays on in my grandparents' basement and make all the parents watch us and... You know, uh, I just, I think I just kind of always had the acting bug. Um, but then I grew up and, you know, I started doing grown-up things. And uh, now I'm kind of back into being a kid. 
and getting in touch, getting in touch with my inner, uh, my inner, you know, acting is funny. You really need to get in touch with your feelings and your emotions because you need Mm -hmm. to draw on that to be able to act. So it's actually been really good for me. Um, And my acting teacher is really happy with me. And you also do yeah. like to do uh, horror films too, right? I've been doing a lot of horror films. Um, uh, let me think. Um, so, although here's a good one. Okay, I want to bring this one up, um, sure. and and I want to I want to give a pitch to it. Um, it's called, and I'm supposed to be filming this in LA um, at the end of January. Um, it's called Monster On. But it's not a film so much. It's a TV series. It was written, produced um, by a Purple Heart recipient. His name is Steve Alexander, and he's a wonderful man. And this is a family-friendly monster movie, Monster On, and it's going to have all the old Frankenstein and werewolf and Dracula. And uh, I'm really, really excited about that because I think that it's going to be a bit more tongue-in-cheek and and nostalgic. And I'm actually going to be playing a character, because I like doing character roles, so she's actually ticket counter agent Terry, and uh, and and I'm I'm the lady in the window, and I'm I'm selling tickets. Except we're all sold out. So, uh, but Monster on is is uh, that's something I'm really excited about. So uh, when can I uh, uh, come uh, be part of that production? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I don't know. I know it's a TV series, but uh, I don't want to get in trouble, so I can't. I can't do much more. You can check out my IMDb, and you can check Monster on my IMDb, and and if you guys get into it all on your own, it's not on me. <laughs> uh, the, uh, re, re, uh, Renee Jawas, I guess, are on eighty nine point one Kens FM, and well, we got about uh, ten minutes here with Renee. When, when you're doing uh, when you're doing these uh, projects, and uh, like it says, you have uh, ten uh, uh, ten uh, projects upcoming. Uh, is there uh, uh, what is the longest time that you've ever been on set for one of these projects? Oh, geez. Um, well, let's see. I had Good Night Light. Um, I was actually only uh, it was. It was actually only on there for a day, but it was a really intense day. I mean, it was like a 10-hour day. Um, uh, the, uh, the film that I'll be doing this summer, Summer Break 1929, it'll probably be about a week. And from what I've been told, we're actually going to be living in the mansion, which is going to be pretty creepy. Um, and we're probably going to be eating and, and, and drinking and, and sleeping this movie until we get it done. But we'll be living there for a week. Um, so where's this uh, mansion at? This was the mansion is actually in Maryland. I don't know exactly where it is, um, but there are pictures of it on IMDb. 
Um, if you if you go into images for uh, summer break 1929, there are images of this very interesting stately mansion. Um, I'm told it's very uh, beautiful out in the the country. Um, and then let me think. Uh, serious profession. Uh, series profession. That's where I played Jeannie Pretty. Um, I was I was on set for a day, but once again, it was a ten-hour day. It was a long day, um, and uh, that's a fun one. That's coming out in 2024. Um, and that is uh, my my director, writer, producer is Matthew Anderson, and uh, that his group is Key Thirteen Film Partners. Um, I, I am with, now in D.C., I have a wonderful group. They're called uh, Collaborative Effort uh, Productions, and the, the main guy is Alex Kane. And uh, I think somebody had asked me about uh, Bullet and Exit and uh, yep. Surreal. And those three movies actually... Um, so a bullet was was just released on Amazon, and that's a really cool one. Um, it's a, a I have a small role in it. I wish I had a bigger role, but it's a small role. But it's basically um, a deadly game of chess, where you go in and you compete, and if you don't win, it has deadly results. So uh, bullet is is pretty exciting. Um, exit. Exit, we started filming this winter. It takes place uh, nine strangers in a, uh, um, in a garage, and we cannot get out. Um, and I have a pretty big role in that. I play a homeless woman. Um, I like character roles, so this is a homeless woman. And uh, we stopped filming because it got really cold last month, so we're going to be filming again in the spring when it warms up. Um, and then there's Surreal. Surreal, I can't tell you much about it other than worlds collide. A a father and a daughter's worlds collide, and and everything, the world becomes surreal. Um, But that was filmed last month. We filmed it. Now, that one, it took about a month to film. Um, but, uh, that is now in post-production. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm doing some fun things. I like a lot of character roles. Well, you know, uh, one cool thing about Summer Break is actually it's being directed by a friend of mine, uh, Jane Chow. Yes. Oh, I love her. And she actually has a role in it. She actually has a role, but yeah. As a matter of fact, it was her that I asked, uh, uh, if she could hook us up with you. Oh, nice. Okay. Because I so, actually just talked to so her be, today about summer break. And, no, not at all. I'm not upset. I love her. She's a wonderful person. She has a heart of gold. And uh, she's, well, then I'll let you know summer break 1929 started with a nightmare that she had. And it kind of just wrote itself. And I am the lead. I am the lead. I am her, her, uh, her immortal uh, 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 caretaker of this mansion. You know, and the, the thing about it is uh, she was uh, on our show about a year ago, 
And um, I'd uh, mentioned that uh, she she'd actually mentioned this project, and uh, I was like looking for some of the looking at the people that were uh, being in it, and uh, and you may think I'm just saying this because uh, you're on, but it, uh, it's not. I I I stopped at your picture. I'm like, how can I get her on the show? And you said, well, you know, she said you just have to write her. And uh, actually, we booked you on the show about 10 months ago. That is funny because I was wondering how you found me. So there you go. Acting, the, the acting community, the, the production community is a very small world. We all kind of know each other. So, uh, but that was probably when we were doing Drug Hunter, which right now I think it's doing a rewrite with Drug Hunter. So don't. But so now we're kind of focusing on other projects. We're we're focusing on Summer Break 1929. But when when you contacted me ten months ago, we were working on Drug Hunter. Right. Exactly. And that's also Jane. That's also Jane Cho. So yes. Yep. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You play Mary in that movie. Yes, I do. I do. Um and it, it's it's funny because um there there were some really great people once again very small world very sm- acting and and uh film production very small world there are people in it there's uh a gentleman I love and adore his name is Scott uh Swoop he's in it um a gentleman named Kevin Tan he's in it um Tony Ferrer is those and and I definitely know that Kevin Tan and Tony Ferrer, I believe, unless things have changed, are in summer uh, summer break 1929. So it's funny you tend to and I and also Kevin Tan is uh, is in exit with me, so uh, we tend to kind of meet up again you always you know you you never totally say goodbye you always say until we see each other next time in another you know hope we work again soon um i do believe robert jelanis is in that movie as well yes and that happens to be my husband um uh he actually um uh may be in summer break nineteen twenty nine he may be playing a demon um but uh he actually was and and this is a good place to go with this um last summer uh we were in something called it's not true um and it's it's being produced by a gentleman named Timoth Conrad. Um, in D.C., a lot of these are being pro- are produced on the East Coast, and, D- and a lot are in Maryland or D.C. Or, um, but I play a character named Laura. I'm kind of a a, a, a nosy neighbor, um, but Robert plays a character named Felix, and he's a really like the kind of bad guy that you want to cheer for. He's he's Felix is just nasty. So, um, but, but yeah, so, uh, but a lot of people you bump into and, and you meet up with again. Maybe uh, one day Dillon. I'll be in one of your films. <laughs> hey, hey, Scott, you think you can make that happen? Uh, you never know. You have to see what happens. You never, you never know. know. 
Uh, Renee Suarez, our guest here. we got only a couple minutes here left uh, with uh, Renee. Uh, so we can do this here, Renee. If uh, our fans want to check out and see, do you got Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok? What do you got? Um, I have Instagram. I have Facebook. Um, and then, of course, I'm on IMDb. They right. can definitely find me on IMDb and see all the stuff I've been doing and what I will be doing. And one other thing I do want to ask you, you know, you mentioned uh, how you were filming and you said it got really cold. Uh, and you, you got, yeah. uh, you know, uh, here in North Dakota, we call that Tuesday night. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Well, I was lucky because I was playing a homeless lady, so I was all bundled up. But a lot of these people, and we were filming from 8, 8 8 p.m. until 8 a.m., so it really got cold in the garage. And some of these people, uh, they just had, like, T-shirts on and jeans. And I, I was lucky because I, I knew. I, was, I took advantage of playing in a homeless woman. I put on as much I could put on. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, we're, we're filming that in the spring. When it's warmer, so, which uh, unfortunately, if I still have to wear all those clothing, I'm going to be hot as heck. And uh, so uh, uh, when, it, when it started getting cold, everybody on this set said, let me play the homeless person. <laughs> right. Actually, yeah, everybody was kind of jealous. They're like, oh, my gosh, you had the right role. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Renee, you have been so wonderful. And uh, for those of you who listen to our uh, show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live, Monday Like That, go to 89.1, Kent's FM page like that, do a $10 a month donation, Tower to Tower, we'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph picture from past guests, current guests, or future guests. And I do believe, Renee, I do believe you sent us a few that we can uh, give away in our, during our July show. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Renee, you have been so amazing. And uh, like I say, we booked you 10 months ago, and I'm glad that we were able to uh, get you on with us, and we would love to have you back on again. Thank you. I would love that. I would love that. And and uh, if you wait long enough, then I will – I've got a lot going on in 2024. Uh, it's, I think uh, it's going to be an exciting year, particularly with – you know the the strikes over and and everybody's excited and they're all ramped up to uh, create great things. So, so definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, Renee, you are uh, awesome. And uh, maybe the next time uh, you're on with us, maybe you can uh, uh, bring uh, the significant other with you. I would love that. I actually thought about it, um, but then I I didn't I didn't want to like overstep. But yeah, that that would be a totally different uh, show because he and I play off of each other, so it would be funny. And I, and I wouldn't be able to hit on you uh, when he's on either. So there you go. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Renee, thank you so much for taking time on your schedule. Uh, we love you, and then we'll definitely have you back on again uh, when uh, you get thank your other you. projects up and going uh, and you want to promote them. We'll have you back on, and we'll let you promote them all. All right, and I will tell I will tell Jane that you guys say hello. Yes, and uh, tell Jane uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, answer my calls because I've been calling her once a month. And uh, I guess maybe she uh, might have unlisted her phone number now because uh, it, it just rings and rings and rings now. 
Uh-oh. Well, maybe she's just a really busy lady. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, Renee. Thank you so much for being with us. We love you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Love you, too. Bye. All right. That was Renee, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So our next guest is ready. Uh, we need to take a quick little commercial break. Uh, we will be back after these messages, so stick with us, and we will return. The new Wood Spring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange. Hello. It's an extended pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by TrustScore. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and jumping off the pages, our next guest at this time, she is Cindy Savelle. Hey, this is Cindy Savile. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live, Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, and also with the big swing and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Well, hey, Cindy, how are you? Welcome aboard. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thrilled. Awesome. Actually, it's been a while since we spoke. <laughs> Your book, uh, solid. As a matter of fact, yeah, as a matter of fact, I booked you on the show uh, 11 months ago, actually. I know. <laughs> I can't believe today finally came. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. So here's how we're going to do this, uh, Cindy. I'm going to uh, ask you a few questions, then we'll have uh, my co-host, uh, Scott Hand, ask you a few, then we'll come back to me and I'll ask you the tougher questions. Uh, but uh, first off, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll uh, have some fun with the interview. Go ahead. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. So I live in Connecticut, and um, I, um, I'm actually a breast cancer survivor, and uh, since since that diagnosis back in 2015, completely turned my life around. Um, and from that point, it kind of defined the, 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 the path I was going to take. Um, I decided to share my story. And in sharing my story, I wrote a book uh, called It Is What It Is. I, have to be, I know it's PG. <laughs> and, um, Thank you. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. You're, I respect it. And um, it's a book unlike any other book anybody's ever read because I say it like it is in the book. I decided, you know, what kind of books do I like to read? I didn't want it to be boring and I want it to be real and genuine and authentic. And that's how it comes across. Um, and it's, it's sold all over the world. Um, and from that point, you know, because of the book, uh, people had invited me on their talk shows and radio shows. And I ended up having a talk show of my own called It Is What It Is with Cindy Seville. Um, I do a lot of public speaking. I share the story with, with anybody who wants me to, um, just to help others. I ended up writing a couple of other children's books. Uh, one is called um, A Snark Named COVID, and it's a, it was written during COVID. I utilized 17 children in the making of the book. And then I wrote a book called I Am, which is a book all about the beauties of diversity and how being different is, is a beautiful thing and to embrace it, embrace each other. Um, and, um, and, uh, and, and it continues. I was actually on a couple of, uh, I had a couple of small parts in films 
and one of them I was actually had, they're not out yet, um, but one of them I was actually a talk show host <laughs> in the opening scene, yeah, which was so fitting. Too. Yes, you follow. Yes, yes. I'm so excited about that one. Well, well, Cindy, you, you know I'm a fan, and uh, I, I cannot wait for that movie to come out. It's going to be awesome. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about your books, and uh, then, uh, like I said, we'll have Scott ask a few questions, and we'll come back to me. Uh, first off, is uh, for those of you who uh, don't know, uh, and I, of course, we cannot say the full title of the book, but basically, this book is basically an STSFU to cancer. And I want to talk to you about that uh, so everybody can pretty pretty much figure out what the word is. But with that being said, when were you diagnosed and how long did you have treatment? So I was diagnosed May 15, 2015, after close to a year of being tested. I had some issues uh, for close to a year. And in my heart of hearts, I knew what it was, but we had to wait for, obviously, something concrete to test. Everything had, uh, was inconclusive before that. Um, May 27th, 2015, I had a double mastectomy. And in having that double mastectomy, uh, they removed all the cancer. So the great news is that I didn't need any chemo or radiation or anything like that. But I, the bad news was um, I ended up having uh, eight major breast surgeries in total, over the course of three and a half years, you know, it's people think you're getting a free, you know, free breast lift, a free breast job, but it's nothing like that. Um, reconstruction is is very difficult. In fact, after um, you know, after double mastectomy, and um, you know, uh, I ended up, in the beginning. I had um, I had a terrible plastic surgeon, and so uh, I had to redo everything with the second plastic surgeon. So you know, that was a process in itself. But thank God, no chemo or radiation. So uh, you, uh, and I, I'll care if I ask this because this is PG, but uh, so basically you had to uh, have, uh, are, are they like implants or you know where I'm going with this? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically the breasts were removed completely. Um, they speared the skin, so the skin was left. And... Um, they put, in the beginning, they put expanders inside. They put them behind the muscle to stretch the muscle out so they can place, they have room for the implant. Um, again, there's no breast tissue whatsoever. And so after the expanders do their thing, um, they end up removing the expanders and then they put in the implants. Now, the first set of implants they put in were actually, it turned out to be cancer-causing implants. Um, there was a recall on those implants. So the great news is that even though the, the first plastic surgeon put the wrong implants, botched the entire job, thank God she did because they had to be removed. And if they weren't removed, I could have gotten a different kind of cancer from those breast implants, which is kind of crazy. Um, and so, yes, I have, um, I have implants now. And then after they put the implants in, again, it's not perfect. So some of the surgery is involved doing a little bit of lipo, actually, around my body. And I had, you know, I had enough enough uh, fat around my body, thank God, <laughs> so they could take and then put it around the implants to fill in um, the entire, you know, breast to make it smoother looking. There's a lot that so goes into you, it. So uh, with, with that being said, uh, uh, you could probably make an appearance on the TV show Botch then too, I would guess, or not. It, it's, 
Yeah, it's so funny you say that because that's exactly what I tell people. I should have been on that show. That's how bad I looked. When I went for three second opinions uh, after, you know, the, the first two surgeries and um, went to top certified, you know, triple certified surgeons, went to one in New York City that, you know, works with um, actresses and models and, and um, you know, went to three amazing surgeons, and they all said the same thing. What happened? Why were you cut like this? Did you want two different sized breasts? Um, you know, one was infected. Um, it, it was, it was, I was actually going septic. Um, you know, but they were all shocked at what they saw. And when I, I have pictures of the entire pro, uh, the, the progress and every step of the way. And when I look, there are pictures there that still bring me to tears, bring me to the ground that I just couldn't believe that I actually looked the way I looked. That's how boxed I was. So, yeah, it's funny you say that. That's exactly what I well, say. Well, you know, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but I'll tell you what, there's no way that you, would e- that you ever look bad. I mean, I, I'm looking at your pictures now. You, you're, you're beautiful, and you always have been. And you did not let this, uh, let's just say, hiccup in your life stop you from doing what you want to do in life, and we applaud you for that. And it's just an amazing story, and we're going to talk more about that. And I do have a couple uh, one-liner questions to ask you, and I'll understand if you don't want to ask, answer them, that's fine. But before we do that, uh, uh, Scott Hand is my co-host, and uh, he is probably, like I say, the greatest independent film director in the world today because he's going to have me in some of his projects. That's why. But, Scott, what do you have for a guest? Go ahead. I really Scott, don't have a whole it? lot of questions. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I don't really have a whole lot of questions for her. Um, I guess I, I was listening to your story. It's, uh, you know, Definitely, you know, really interesting. How, I mean, how long ago did all this happen? I'm not really familiar with your case or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, I want to thank you, though, for the, those lovely compliments before. Um, but um, May, I was diagnosed in May of 2015, and it took about three and a half years of surgeries and, and everything to kind of get through that whole process. Um, mm. So about three and a half years, you know, and, and again, eight surgeries, big surgeries. Um, but it really, it, it really brought me to a good place in life. Like I say the yeah. journey sucked, but the destination is amazing. I, I love where I am today. I wish I didn't have to get where I am, you know, going mm. through all I went through. But, you know, we all yeah. have to go through something in life, right? Yeah, it's all about true. attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a struggle no matter which way, but that's really, uh, yeah, it's really quite some story, though. Yeah, you, and, you know, and it, what I... It's a powerful story. It is very much so, yes. You know, the the thing that people don't talk about and what I talk about in my book is how people deal with this in your... Like, what happens to the people in your life, right? Um, the things, the real things that happen to you, you know, who sticks by you, who doesn't stick by you? And it's an eye-opening experience. Like, anytime we go through something difficult, and I'm sure you guys could both relate to this... Um, you know, whether it's, it's illness, it could be death, divorce, um, losing a job, whatever it is, you know, who sticks around and who takes off. And in my case, the people that I thought would stick around were the ones, the first ones to, 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 to you know, just run from my life. And that included my own family, my parents, my brother, you know, my sister and I didn't have a relationship at the time. And 
six days after my double mastectomy, my family dumped me. And I still don't know why. We're back in touch. We have resumed a relationship. It is a source of great pain for me, but I've just, you know, I've chosen to kind of move past it because I love the idea of family. I, they were my best friends in life. And to this day, I can't understand why. Um, and I talk about just all the real things that happen in life, you know, losing your business, um, losing a lot of money, <laughs> you know, just losing the support network you had and, uh, you know, trying to deal, I mean, literally going rock bottom and finding your way back, you know, getting your feet back on the ground. Uh, Cindy Savell is our guest here. We've got about uh, 25 minutes here with Cindy. Now, I'll, I'd like you to elaborate on that a little bit, then I'll ask you a few questions, and we'll talk about your other books, and we'll come back and talk to, uh, uh, more about the, the book, uh, the main book, uh, the STSFU to Cancer. Uh, yeah. when, when you say they they dropped you, they abandoned you, could you would you be willing to elaborate on that? I, I don't want to bring up bad memories or anything, but, uh, you know, because I might break down as you talk about it, but would you be willing to elaborate on that a little more? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my my parents were in Florida at the time, and uh, my mom and I spoke at least two, three times a day. And um, when they found out I had breast cancer, my mother flew out immediately. My father didn't. My father, and to me, I, I don't understand as a parent myself. I have two beautiful children, grown children. Um, anything that happens, I drop whatever I'm doing for them. But my father, you know, was very selfish at the time. Um, so my mother came. I had my surgery. Um, my sister and I weren't on very good terms. Uh, we weren't for years. And one of the things that my parents really wanted, especially my mother really wanted, was for me to be in touch with my sister and I learned at a later date that she wanted me to make peace with my sister in case I died. But see, I already was at peace. She wasn't. Um, and so because I, and I was pressured before the surgery, I was pressured in the hospital there overnight, you know, or a couple of days, I was pressured in the hospital, I was pressured after, I was in excruciating pain emotionally and physically. You can imagine I mean, having your breast removed and, you know, Two favorite things on my body, people would always ask, what is your favorite part? It was my hair and my breast, and I faced losing both of those with the cancer. Um, you know, I was devastated and, and lost, and I didn't really know if I was going to live or die. I didn't know if I needed chemo. Like, I didn't know the course, what was going to happen with the rest of my life at that point, and I was also in tons and tons of pain, and it was just so much pressure. So I, I would go into my bedroom, shut the door, and kind of like just, just for the peace and quiet. And literally, I guess, because I didn't call my sister, I didn't, you know, um, make peace, you know, before in case I died, um, they just couldn't take it. And my mother literally left. She was here. She took a packed her suitcase. I heard her walking out the door, and she said, I'm leaving. She said, um, my sister uh, has an autoimmune disorder, and um, she says, I'm worried about your sister. I'm going to go take care of her. And I thought to myself, well, I'm the one who has cancer or had cancer. I didn't know if I still had it at the time. And I couldn't believe that literally six days, I couldn't even lift my arms. When they, when they cut off your breast, all your muscles, you know, you don't realize the chest muscles are attached, you know, like to the arms. And I couldn't lift my arms. I, I, have, I had two younger children at the time, couldn't cook, I couldn't clean, I couldn't even wash my own hair, couldn't brush my teeth myself, you know, in the beginning. And so um, that she left. 
she chose one daughter over the other, and um, I learned a lot. I mean, the, and the story continues. It, it just unraveled, and, I mean, they tried to have me arrested. <laughs> and I've never been in trouble with the law in my life, never then, never, you know, never before, never since. Um, I just, they, they, there's, there's a quote that I say, if they can't control you, they will try to destroy you. And that's really what happened in my life. I, I learned a lot about my family. I learned a lot about my childhood that I never realized. Um, this was a big eye-opening experience for me. Huge, devastating, but eye-opening. And, and that, that, is, that is pretty sad. And um, I'm going to try and uh, not, uh, not get emotional because, uh, you know, I know what that's like uh, to be, uh, not be abandoned by a family, but uh, uh, to be abandoned by uh, someone that's close to you that uh, you think is a friend of yours and you think that they love you and uh, something happens and uh, you part ways and then uh, something happens to that individual and you don't get a chance to uh, reconcile. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. And we can talk yeah. about. Uh, we're not. We're not here to talk about me. But I'm just saying. Uh, I had a similar effect. Uh, something like that happened my, with my coach. Uh, the last time I saw him, he said, "Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you." And then he died a week later. And uh, you know, it's 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 like emotional scars. And uh, you know, it 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 it's healing that that never that never really happened for me. But for you. Uh, uh, it, has it improved? Uh, has your relationship with your family gotten better, or is it still strained? No, it, it's and I understand your pain. Um, it, it's gotten so much better. You know, my father was able to apologize. You know, which was a huge step in us. You know, being able to move past. Um, he had met this. My parents since got divorced, so they had their own issues, and I think they just you know took it out on on me for whatever reason. Um, but my, my dad's girlfriend at the time, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, knocked some sense into him and said, what's wrong with you? This is your daughter. You know, she had cancer. You know, she could have done anything, and, and you should have accepted her. But I did nothing, truly. I mean, everybody else in my life saw what happened and couldn't believe. They lost friends over this. Um, so my, since, you know, my father and I reconciled first. Um, and then my mom and I, just I realized I really need I love my parents. I need my parents. I love family, you know. And the one thing it taught me, it taught my my children, uh, or reinforced, is that they know that I would never, ever do anything like that to them, that they always have me in their life. And, you know, they felt abandoned also. Even though they kept my children in their life, you know, they abandoned me and, uh, in a sense, abandoned my kids. You know, the support wasn't there. So, but you know, it makes you stronger. They say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? <laughs> right. Uh, we have uh, Cindy Savellis as our guest here. We got about uh, 19 minutes here with uh, Cindy. And uh, for those of you who listen to our face, our listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Air Monday Live Monday, like that. Uh, go to 89.1 Kens FM. Uh, like that, the $10 a month donation to the tower will get you qualified to win an autographed fish from past guests, current guests, future guests. And uh, our, our fans are uh, are kind of uh, talking in the chat room now about the, the title of the book. Would you be willing to send us a few uh, uh, for giveaways, maybe? Would be happy to, absolutely. And uh, uh, one of the uh, – we have a smart aleck in our uh, chat room. Uh, I'm going to ask you about a few other books, uh, your books, too. Uh, but uh, when 
And I'm going to ask you a few more questions about uh, the cancer, and then I'll uh, kind of lighten it up a little bit, and then we'll talk about your other uh, your other two books. Uh, but uh, first off, when uh, you have some decorations, some th- like tattoos on the front there, was that before or afterwards? So that was after. That was, I mean, that is probably one of the best gifts someone ever gave me. A tattoo artist, uh, an acquaintance of mine, I knew about my story, learned about my story, and because um, I was pretty public about it, you know, from the very beginning, sharing my story with everyone. And, you know, I, I thought to myself at first, you know, I wanted, because they removed the nipples, and so I wanted to have nipples tattooed. And there was somebody in Virginia that was the best at the time. He was probably one of the, the first ones to start with this kind of, you know, tattoo for women, for uh, cancer, breast cancer survivors. And um, after I was botched, I realized that just wasn't going to happen because I couldn't stand to look at myself. Every time I looked at myself, I, I burst into tears. And so um, I ended up doing some research, and, um, and, and this was kind of – it was in this area where I live in Connecticut. It was a newer thing at the time back in 2015 uh, to tattoo the entire breast area, full breast coverage. Actually, my daughter tells me, I, I can, and I can, I, I mean, I would happily, but I would walk around, I could walk around topless because it looks like I already have, I have a bra on, a strapless bra or a bathing suit, you know. It's, um, so I, I, just, I designed it and I just wanted my masterpiece. I call it my, my masterpiece. It's a beautiful bouquet of roses. So that's my tattoo. You know, that's, uh, um, I actually never thought I would have a tattoo until I had breast cancer. Now I have a bunch. <laughs> They're addictive. Um, now, uh, I want to ask you about a few other books. And uh, like I say, there's one guy in the chat room that says that, you know, the, the cover, a, uh, a snark named COVID, uh, one of the guys in the chat room said how the uh, the guy in the cover looks a lot like me. It looks nothing like me. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, let, let's talk about that. You, it, it was obviously written during COVID. Uh, what, what is? Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that story? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it was written during COVID, and you know what I decided to do uh, was write children's, like write about serious subjects uh, in a way children could better understand. And at the time, COVID was, I mean, a scary thing. It's still scary for some, but it was so scary back then. Nobody knew what was going on. It was hard for children to understand, why can't I go to school? You know, why can't I play with my friends? Why, can't, why do I have to sit, you know, six feet apart, you know, wear a mask? And so I decided, but I, I, I'm not a good artist. I, can't, I can only draw stick figures <laughs> and bubble letters. So um, I decided to put a contest out there on Facebook land, and um, I invited children to, you know, with their parents, you know, permission, of course, to enter the contest, and I needed artists. And so um, what I did was I, I had hundreds of kids submit artwork, and I selected 17 children. And, um, you know, they helped illustrate the book. And so once the book was published, I, I met up with every single child and gave them a copy, a signed autograph copy of their own book. You know, we had to meet. It was COVID time, so we met outdoors, you know, six feet apart, <laughs> you know, took pictures with masks on and um, and so that was, you know, a snark named COVID is, is about, it's about like an icky, COVID is an icky man in the book. And actually, at first, they weren't going to publish my book because they said, well, it's about COVID and you're not a, you're not a health expert, you know, you're, you're no expert on COVID. 
And I said, did you really even read the book? You know, did you edit it properly? Like, did you see that it's it's about a man named COVID? (laughs) You know, so um, they finally realized, oh, yes, 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 and, and, and published it. You know, so, so it's about a, a serious subject in a way children can better understand. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, it, it's a great story. Let me ask you this. Uh, is that uh, something that uh, you'd eventually like to, like, turn into, like, a cartoon or, like, a, like a little mini film? You know, how neat would that be if it did? <laughs> it would be great. Well, you know, my daughter. Well, I have died. some connection. I might be able to make that happen. If you could send a copy of that book, I could probably make that happen. Or I'll, I send you, I'll send you a copy. Yeah, I'll send you all three books. Absolutely. I have a few more in the works, too. So <laughs> we'd love it. All right. So, uh, so, oh, so, so you did decide to write that book about me. Uh, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll spill my guts for you. No problem. Uh, <laughs> Cindy Savelle is our guest. Here we got about uh, 13 minutes here with Cindy before we uh, uh, are uh, – our theme music kicks us off here. Uh, now, the other movie, uh, movie, I'm sorry, I got movies on my mind. Uh, the other book that you have is called I Am, and it's about diversity. Yeah. Tell us how that came yeah. about. So, you know, I've always been an advocate for diversity. I think, you know, listen, being the same is boring. You know, I love meeting new people. I love learning new things, new cultures. Um, you know, and I've taught my children to accept anyone and everyone as they are. And I thought, you know, the world needs to understand that being different is a beautiful thing. And um, I was very involved with the Anti-Defamation League years ago um, in supporting, you know, I mean, supporting differences, bridging differences. And so I wrote I Am. And there's a little chorus in I Am. People tell me it sounds very Dr. Susie. And which I like, and it didn't mean to be, it's just the way it came out, um, and I love poetry. So all of my children's books do rhyme, um, but I am, the chorus is, I am, I am, I'm a beautiful me, I am, I am, I'm not what you see. And it goes on, every chapter talks about, you know, a different different person, you know, um, whether, you know, they're big or they're small or they're dark or they're light or they're rich or they're poor or whatever it is. Um, and just how beautiful we all are, finding the beauty. And I have 27 children that illustrated that because word got out, it took off, and I did the same kind of contest on Facebook, on live, you know, and um, 27 children, you know, I, I, I tried, I didn't need 27 children, but I, I just felt like, you know, I, I, it wasn't even the artwork necessarily, it was the stories behind these children, you know, that I, um, some of them I chose for the artwork, some I chose because of their beautiful stories. But now, are, yeah, any it's, it's, uh, are any of your books on like uh, like audio book or books on tape or book? Well, not books on tape anymore. Like books on CD or uh, are they like can they get on find them on like uh, uh, Spotify or um, I I I can't remember the name of that platform where they, you find a lot of audio books. Uh, have they been converted into Kindle? audio books? Is that in the works? Yeah, you know, I didn't do that yet, no. I felt like it was a lot of work. It probably is very easy to do um, because I self-published all my books, and you can find them, really, you Google them, they're everywhere. But Amazon is where um, you can find all three for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't even – people tell me I need to look into that and, and have that done. I haven't done that yet. But they are available pretty much everywhere, hard copy. 
Well, I'll tell you what, let me put this out there. Um, Thank you. I would, uh, I'd love to voice, uh, I'd like to voice uh, a snark named COVID. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just looking at the, the, the character on the front of the, uh, on the front of the book, and he, he's kind of like a cross between, um, well, he's got green eyes and he's got a green nose, and uh, he, he kind of looks like uh, Jeff Dunham's Walter, but uh, a uh, wilder version. You know, uh, I love the elephant yeah. ears; it's just great. It's, it's Thank awesome. Thank you. You know, it's funny now, because my daughter, my daughter's an amazing artist, but I, she's like, that's ugly. And I said, that's what I want. COVID is an ugly man. And I described, she drew exactly what I wanted, how I pictured him. <laughs> and uh, so let me ask you this. Now, this is kind of an interesting question. I'll listen if you don't want to uh, uh, answer this question, but uh, since uh, that's your daughter that uh, did the uh, cover, uh so did she say, uh, "Well, Mom, let's see. I'm going to need uh, uh, I'm going to need every Saturday night uh, uh, curfew raised until 11 o'clock when I'm uh, old enough to uh, date. Uh, you're going to need to give me the car keys every Saturday afternoon when I want to go out, uh, and uh, you need to take me shopping every uh, every week. Uh, is that, that kind of the way the negotiation went? You know, I am the most easygoing mom. I can be, I, listen, tough love, absolutely. I know when to, you know, when to, to give that tough love, but I am such an easygoing mom. She gets it anyway. <laughs> Anything she wants. <laughs> I'm the coolest uh, so, mom out there. Come on. <laughs> well, you definitely are. Uh, Cindy Savelle is our guest here, and we're on 89.1 Kids FM. we got about eight minutes left. Now, uh, I, I do want to kind of go back, and I, I probably shouldn't ask this question. I understand if you don't want to uh, – answer it but uh you know uh back with the breast cancer and uh, you know you had to have them reconstructed I- i'm just kind of curious did you uh did you get to pick the size of they like give you a, a chart and say what would you like or did they just say uh well we'll kind of bring them back to the uh the the kind of the way they were or did you say well you know what i i want to go for the dolly parton look this time Yes, well, I kind of had the Dolly Parton look before, and I loved them. Oh, my God, they were beautiful. Uh, But, no, you know, you really – you have some say, obviously. Um, The first set were like torpedoes, and they just – it looked horrible. I will tell you, they looked horrible. They weren't what I wanted, the first plastic surgeon. That's why it's always good. You know, it's one thing I learned, get a second opinion, get a third opinion, my advice to everybody, um, you know, she didn't listen to me. She did what she wanted to do. She tried to replicate what I had, but the thing is, it, it was difficult to replicate what I had. Um, the um, those torpedoes, they were the gummy bear torpedo-like, um, you know, implants. Like again, that were recalled. Um, they had like a gummy bear texture, um, so they're very firm. Uh, those were removed and uh, replaced by just round, smaller. And they're they're considered the round silicone breast implants. So I went. And I'll give you an example. I went from like a 34, 36, triple D, double D, triple D, to um, like a 34, 36 D. But it's a small D, probably like a full C, small D. Um, but um, you know, it's, without breast tissue, it's hard to have larger breasts. Not like you can go as big as you want. 
you know, because you don't have that supporting breast tissue. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually I'm... due for – oh, what's Go that? ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm due for a revision at some point um, just because, you know, the skin stretches a little bit. Um, you know, uh, they shift just like, I mean, they, they tell you wear a bra. <laughs> you don't have to, but wear a bra because, you know, just gravity, you know, they're they're heavy in there. And even though they're smaller than the other ones I had, they're, you know, they're still a little heavy and they do, you know, eventually start to – I, I, I hate the word droop because they're not droopy at all, <laughs> but they start to, you know, they start to drop a little, like, you know, with age, you know, and time. So. That's why I like the, uh, I the one them. picture. That's why I like the one picture of you where, where you're wearing the white shirt that says jealous. You should be. <laughs> I love that. I love that picture. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you a funny story. So a friend of mine, she worked at a, um, a medical supply place. And at the time, I was thinking about buying some prosthetic nipples. You know, they have prosthetic breasts for people who don't even want implants, you know. Um, And I thought, you know, I I, I miss my nipples. I really want a pair of nipples. So I told her, and she was the one who did breast fittings, you know, for the, um, you know, all the different prosthetics and the the different bras. Because, you know, once you have, you know, once you go through all those surgeries, I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's, they have everything for you, you know, the special bras, the special, so you don't feel like you're missing, especially when you have nothing yet. Um, and so she ended up, she showed up at an event I was at, and she gave me a box, and I looked at her, and I said, don't tell me, it was a little box. So in, instantly I knew it was a pair of nipples. It was probably one of the most bonding gifts I ever got. <laughs> so <laughs> she sold a lot and, of nipples uh, that day. And, well, you know, with that being said, um, it's you know it's not like um, uh, you know I think this would be a great possibility. I don't know if it's something that you'd you'd ever consider, uh, uh, but we have uh, Cindy Sabella's uh, our guest here. We got about uh, four minutes left. Uh, if someone wa- were to approach you and say, you know what, we'd like to turn your story into a movie, uh, is that something that uh, you'd want to do, or is that or do you think that would bring back too many painful memories? Like it would be like a uh, lifetime movie of the week. You know what? That's so funny. It's my dream. It's my dream. If that, because there's so much more involved. I mean, I turned, I became a biker. I always, I, I decided I want to do everything, you know, everything that I've ever wanted. And, and now is the time, you know, since the cancer, like today is the day. If I can give advice to anybody, it would be don't wait for tomorrow. If you want to do something, do it, do it today. And you don't know if there's a tomorrow. So I always want to ride a motorcycle. So what I did was I bought a motorcycle. I took the class. I talk about this in my book. I failed the class miserably because I can't even ride a bicycle anymore. So did I. And so, so did I. Oh, did you? Okay, good. <laughs> Not just me. Yeah, you, uh, you, you, can't, you can't run into a light pole in the parking lot except to get your motorcycle license. You cannot. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> no you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. Oh, gosh. Well, I ended up, I already bought the motorcycle, I bought a Harley. So I said, wow, you know, I already have the bike. Listen, I beat cancer. I can get on that bike and I can learn. And so I got my permit. I practiced. I ended up going back. I got it. Finally, you know, I passed the test. They were shocked. 
Um, and then I ended up buying a second Harley, a big 92 Heritage. And, you know, I became a biker chick. And I, you know, I just kind of like my life is, is it's a cra- it's crazy. It's a fun, crazy journey. And, um, you know, I'm very involved in the, in the biker world, the biker community, I do fundraisers. And, you know, I have a lot of friends in the biker community now. Um, but I would love for my story to turn into a Lifetime movie. Would love it. Well, I'll tell you, you what, if, you, uh, if, that, if that happens... <laughs> Uh, you gotta let, because uh, I came up with the idea. You gotta let me play the doctor. Anyway, uh, we <laughs> we have uh, Cindy Savelle's I guess here. We got about the 60 seconds. We can do this. Uh, if our fans want to check out and see you, you got a Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Yeah, I have Facebook. I have very active on my Facebook. Just my full name, Cindy Savelle. Um, I have um, Instagram as well, Cindy Savelle there, um, and. Um, Oh gosh, I have a YouTube, but I'm not. I'm not very active on my YouTube. I'm not very good with YouTube. <laughs> so really, Facebook and Instagram. I have a TikTok. I have a lot of fun with TikTok also. But I would awesome. love for people to reach out anytime. And uh, where can uh, uh, fans get your books? Amazon. Amazon is the best way. You know, plug it in. You know, the title. Plug in my name, and uh, they'll all pop up. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I will uh, send you the, I'll uh, uh, message you the address where to send the, the uh, books and whatever you can send us, we would definitely appreciate. And you have been so awesome, and your your story is just a, such a heartfelt story. And I there I have a feeling, though, and I'm not just saying this because it's you, but the, I have a feeling that there's more miles that you can get out of this. I think uh, turning this into a movie uh, would be just an awesome thing. It, it, at least the COVID book, uh, you know, we uh, I'll, I'll talk to some people, see if we can get that into like a cartoon or a movie or something, and then uh, earn funding uh, for the uh, for the um, the Breast Men Part Two book uh, would be awesome. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you are you are wonderful, Cindy, and I just love your story. And uh, we uh, we did get a little emotional here, and I still am. Aww. But you are so awesome, and I uh, not only do I appreciate uh, you being uh, on the show, I also uh, value your friendship very, very much, and the fact that uh, it's we almost booked you on the show about a year ago. So uh, it's been that long, mm-hmm. and uh, we're glad that you were, were able to join us tonight. We love you. Thank you. Uh, I love you guys, too. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to more. (laughs) All right. Take care, Cindy. Thank you so much. We love you. Thanks. Love you, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That was Cindy, ladies and gentlemen. And now, Scott, wasn't that a great story? I just, I mean, there are so many uh, other questions I kind of had to uh, skirt the issue, as you could say, because you know we're sure. you know we're on we're on radio. So uh, I was like, yeah. okay, should I ask this? Should I not ask it? You know, whatever. But yeah. I'll tell you what, Cindy is. She's got such a great story, and like I say, there's still more miles that she can get out of her book, and uh, and I hope they do turn that into a lifetime uh, uh, movie extravaganza. Would be just awesome. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. anyway, absolutely. Got about uh, 90 seconds here, uh, but I'll tell you what, we got a big show next week. Uh, the Modern Nightmare will be back, and you'll be back. You'll be joining us through March, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, I know you'll be on set, but uh, hopefully uh, you'll be willing to uh, 
give us updates as during the filming, uh, and then uh, hopefully you'll be able to come back after the filming is done and join us, uh, continue this little uh, fun little project that we're having. But uh, until next week, uh, we'll see you here on 89.1 Ken's FM every Monday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, love each other, care for each other, and remember, it's not goodbye, it's just goodnight. We'll see you all next week, and be back next week for more great entertainment. We will see you then, folks. Take care. You think you know me?